Pretty good, huh? Amazing. Good morning. <clears throat> How are you doing? You pretty good? You guys, all of worship was weaving the sermon already in action. I'm so excited <laughs> to keep going with what God's been saying this morning. I did want to mention that on the back of your Sunday notes is an area for you to take notes if you want. And um, Johanna Perales made these beautiful um, designs for each week that we're going to be going through to know him for the next three months. And so you can kind of get a hint of what's coming for this month. But just so you know, that's there. And each week you're going to notice a different icon representing the part of God that we're learning about this week. So I'll just let you, let you guess about the one that's up there right now. <clears throat> um, oh, that was Slurpee tea, wasn't it? Uh, so this summer I bought some really great sandals. I know you all relate to this. <laughs> but you know, sandals are tricky because you really need some arch support, right? Yeah. So I found these great ones. They're made from the stuff that Crocs are made of. You know, so they're very comfy to walk around in. And they had a great tea strap, ladies. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and so they're excellent. Um, however, there's this phenomenon that happens with great cushy arch support and sweaty feet. It's known as Birkenfarts. So as you walk, it sounds like you're making gas with every step. Well, I'd already bought them. I was already wearing them. There was no going back with this. And they were so cute, but like, all summer long. It's just not, it's not how you want to be, right? And it was so authentic sounding. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, those are, those are funny shoes that make a squeak. It, it's not like that. Yeah. But I discovered that if I scrunch my feet up and lift my arches up off the arch support, I may look a little funny as I'm walking <laughs> along, but I'm not making the sound, right? So that's how I spent my summer. And quite, like, we had a pretty good fall, right? So I wore those babies until I couldn't anymore. And um, I ended up with repetitive strain injury and plantar fasciitis and a bone spur. Yeah, it's exciting. So right in my shoes right now, I have really nice cushy thing inserts because I wrecked my feet this summer with my cute shoes. Um, you guys, we kind of do this with God. There are things about him that we don't really like. Like we like a lot of him, but there are some things that are not comfortable that are offensive, not culturally appropriate, and uh, we skip over that part of the Bible, because I like most of God, but just not that part of God, and we lift ourselves up off those pieces of him, and we look ridiculous, and it's crippling to our faith. You can't truly know someone if there's a big chunk of them that you don't like, true? Have you ever heard somebody say, I just don't think a loving God would do that? Maybe you've said it. I have. 
I don't know why loving God would allow this in my life. The problem is, just because we don't like it or we think he shouldn't be that way, that doesn't change him, <laughs> right? I just don't think a loving God would do that. Well, I just think, I don't think our thoughts change him. <laughs> and so we walk around. By the way, a lot of Christians look weird. <laughs> I love Jesus. <laughs> you know? And the world's like, why are those Christians so weird, man? It's because we're not walking fully in who he is. Because we're offended by him. This is a big problem. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, we're in this series and I asked the Lord, what do you want us to know? And he said, I want you to know me. Including parts that we don't like. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to be in Genesis 22. You guys, there are a lot of difficult passages in the Bible. This is one of those. It's when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering, a human sacrifice. That is not the kind of God I know. It's not the kind of God I want to follow. I don't like it. It's offensive to me. Now, we can fast through, forward through the story and go, but it's so good. The ending is so good. We love this part of God. But you know what? He's also God in this part and this part and this part. And we just want to rush on through it to get to the happy ending and squelch our little feet up and ignore all those other pieces. And we're not going to know him that way, right? So is this the God we want to know is the question. Last week, we talked about having courage to go to the Egypt, the places where God is calling us, the difficult places we don't want to go, but the places that we most need. This week, we're really going to ask, but is he worth following at all? Is he a God we can trust? What do you think? Can we do that? All right. Joy Benjamin is praying for us. This is that awkward moment. I've hit it twice now, haven't I? Last week and this week. We should have a song, a walking song. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Joy. Pray for us. Oh, precious, wonderful, loving Heavenly Father. Thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that you want to speak to our hearts, that you want to communicate to us who you are. Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears to hear your truth, to let your truth penetrate, to go beyond the lies that we've believed about you, to really understand you. God, bring your, your sword of the Spirit to slice through and touch our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you will speak through Justine, that you will use her lips to communicate those truths, and that you will minister, minister to us in a way that we have not understood before. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you that you love us enough to correct us, <laughs> and that you are working in our lives in ways that we don't even understand. Help us to trust you. And Lord, thank you for this. And Lord, I ask that you bless Miss Maroney.
Baptist Church in Nairobi, mm. and that you would speak through them and to them, and that they would be able to love their neighbors and minister as you would have them. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joyful. Okay, so we're with Abraham. Let's do a little backstory. Um, he was initially, his birth name was Abram. And uh, who, who likes, is into history? It's like into history. Uh, so our kids are um, homeschooled and we've been doing the origins of man. And um, I'm learning it all over again, which feels like learning it for the first time. Because, <laughs> anyway, kids these days are learning such big things at such a young age. It's very interesting. So anyway, Abram is from the people that we would call like the birth of civilization in the Fertile Crescent known as Mesopotamia. Okay, so it's this place that had great rivers and really fertile land. So the rivers would flood and fill the land with silt and stuff and so then they could farm. So it's like the first time that, that the nomadic peoples actually settled and started like, this is our land, we're going to stick with it. Well, what comes with that is if the food runs out, you die. You can't just, you know, nomadic peoples can just walk to where the food is, but planted peoples can't do that. So, um, so they started worshipping anything and everything they could worship just to please the gods because clearly there must be a god of the river because some years it comes and some years it doesn't come, some years there's floods. Oh, we need to appease that God, right? What can we do to please the God of the river? And what can we do to please the God of rain and sun and seasons, right? And so they just started like, worship everything. Just like, you know, stack the deck, worship it all. So then there's Abram and his, fa- excuse me, his family. They worshiped one God. It's a total anomaly. There's no, no one else doing this at the time. And it's weird, Like, there's no, like, preamble, and here's how they knew God. They just knew God. It was like God had spoken, and they had listened, and and that was it. It's amazing. So God brings Abram's family out of that area and brings them down to what would be known in the future as Canaan, Israel. And so he becomes, he leaves this fertile crescent that's, like, perfect, and goes into a different land. And that's where um, he and his family kind of dwelled for a long time. And, and there's lots of ups and downs, right? You guys, if you've read the story of Abram and Abraham, he becomes later, he really messes up a lot. But God sticks with him. And he keeps growing in the Lord and growing in the Lord. Fast forward um, to him and his wife Sarai not having any kids and desperately wanting kids. So that's where we're at. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you, by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Got it? Big day. Lots of promise in there for a guy with no kids. Yeah. 
Then God said to Abram, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Nations, Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, and he laughed to himself in disbelief. You can never laugh to yourself, by the way, when God's in the room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He knows. Uh, how could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she was 99 years old? Well, we know what happened. It happened. They had a baby, and Isaac is his name, is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. They have the one who is going to be the father of all of these other children. Great, right? Super great. We're going to fast forward now almost to the end of Abraham's story. All that comes after this in the word is like some lineage stuff and a few closing remarks and his death after this. But this is when Isaac's about... It's not really known, but we know he's not a small child because of what happens in the story. We'll, we'll point that out when we get to it. But he's also not like a full adult. So we're thinking like between 8 and 30. Because remember, these people are like living into their mid-hundreds. So it's not like, you know, you were a juvenile for longer apparently. Or maybe we still are. But anyway. Um, so... What we're going to do is go through this passage and stop at anything that we don't like. Is that fair? Okay. Because I think this story of Abraham can help us work out how to deal with things that we don't like in the Bible. Also, the story is about Abraham working through things that... Anyway, it's just like a double. It's like, it's like a bonus passage. Does that sound good? So I'm going to stop at things that I don't like. And if you agree or don't... like, Just tell me, yeah, I also don't like that. Is that cool? And we'll just work our way through it. Does that sound good? Also, I feel like I need to apologize for my scratchy throat. My children are deathly ill. <laughs> Not deathly ill, I exaggerate. Um, anyway, I'm throat coating. Anyone else like throat coat tea? Yeah, that throat coat. It's like licorice in a cup. It's great. Okay. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called Yes, he replied, here I am. How do we like this? Are we good so far? Thumbs up? Everyone thumbs up? What, Joy? Well, I don't like the tested part either, sister. I don't like that. <laughs> because here's what I'm thinking. I don't like tests, and I don't like people who test me. I don't like that. Do you guys like that? Do you like being tested by people? I don't like that as part of a relationship. Yeah, I'm actually offended by this, to be honest with you. I don't want to be in a relationship with a God who's going to set up tricks. Because for me, a test is a trick. You're trying to catch me and prove that I'm bad. That's what a test is to me. Why? Why would I feel that way? Does everyone feel that way? Who tests well? Yeah, you don't feel that way. You're like, bring on the tests. I don't care. <laughs> it takes me back to school when a pop quiz would like screw your grade up. 
or I had an end of year assessment for one of my classes, it was a drama performing arts class, and I had submitted my proposal to my teacher and rehearsed it in front of him, and then my grade was just a pass. And he said, well, you used components in it that weren't, that weren't part of the, the syllabus. But he had time, to, he could have told me, and I felt tricked. It just was a bummer, you know? And I kind of feel that way. It's like, well, when God wants to test me, what's his end game? What's his goal for testing me? Build character. Build character. Actually, we have this. Who has their Bibles? James 1, 2 to 4. Who's got it? Greg, you want to read that out for us? Now, at the time, Abraham didn't know this because he didn't have the book of James. <laughs> but we do. It's a super awesome bonus. I should have done a race. Who can get to it first? Just like in youth group, right, Robert? Oh, okay. You always won, didn't you? Yeah, that's good. Oh, we need a mic for you, don't we? Do, do, do. The music for the mic walking. There you go. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when you, your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. That's what you said, Sandy, right? When we're tested, it proves us. We get stronger. I still don't like it. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. And I think it comes down to this. Is the person running the test fair or unfair? That's what it comes down to. You know, is it a test to humiliate me or it is a test for me to know how far I've come? And at this point, we don't know. I don't know yet. And here's what happens in our lives. We hit a thing in our lives like, why is God letting this happen to me? Or we hit a passage of scripture and say, I'm not really into this. And what do we do? Scrunch our little faith feet up and walk on away from it because we don't want to deal with it. But I think what we have to do, if we're really going to know him, is walk right into it. Otherwise, we'll never know. At least if we walk right into it and realize he is an unfair trickster of a God, at least we would then know. But if we never walk into it, we will never know, right? Okay, so we don't know at this point if he's a good God or not in the story. So we're going to push on, right? Let's flatten our feet down into those shoes and keep walking, okay? Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Any problems here? Perhaps? <laughs> Anything we don't like? Everything. We don't like all... Well, he gave Isaac, his beloved son, the one he loves, and Abraham's like, uh-huh, 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 what? <laughs> and go burn him? I don't like this. I don't like this at all. So there's two things here I think we should talk about. One is, let's talk about a burnt offering really quick. Um, because this is something that peoples have done for a long time. We don't really do it here, except maybe the sacred pumpkin spice candle in the fall. That's like a burnt offering. We love to light that and like... <laughs> I mean... 
or, or, or the fire over which you make a s'more. That would also be like a burnt offering. You're like, throw wood in there. I don't care where that would, like, I'll pay $7 for a bundle of wood to make a s'more. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a burnt offering. That's a sacrificial offering that goes up in flames. Okay, so a burnt offering was, I'm going to give something that is important to me. It costs me something. And I'm going to light it, and it's going to be totally consumed. And it's going to ascend to God. And Leviticus 1.9 actually says, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord, a burnt offering. What we did this morning, worshiping God, was that, right? It's, it's a symbol of worship. It ascends to God, and it's just pleasing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Cultures use like incense, right? There's all kinds of ways we would do burnt offerings. But this is a thing. Interestingly, in the Bible so far up to this point, it's possible that the offering of Abel right at the beginning was a burnt offering. We don't know for sure, but, but some people say it was. The second one was Noah, after the flood, did a burnt offering to God. And now Abraham. This is not an established thing yet in the ways of God. Okay, so this is kind of new. We had this amazing, uh, like, 2020 uh, hindsight. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of that today, Robert. Um, and we can go, oh, look, it really became a thing. But for Abraham, it's not a thing. Um, so for a hunter or, or a farmer... To take an animal that would have fed the whole household, because, you know, there are many people that live under the covering of that person, and to take that much-needed food and burn it to a crisp so there's nothing for anyone but the God it's being offered to. The offense I have in my heart is that, that, that God is a God who would take food from hungry people when he's not hungry and doesn't need it. Do you know what I'm saying? That is a concern for me. I get the concept, could it just be leaves no one wanted? Do you know what I'm saying? Or like, like an animal that doesn't taste good to eat? I don't know, like a toad or something? Can we offer, like, <laughs> offer something that isn't so important to life? You hear what I'm saying? So, you know, I guess one of my concerns is uh, that he's a wasteful, self-indulgent God. Fair? Fair to... Okay. Maybe I'm the only one that goes so deep with my offense with the Lord. <laughs> I do things fully. Yeah. It reminds me of this. Mark 14. While Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table, me, were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? I think we have idolized in our culture and maybe even our Christian culture that we only do appropriate things. We give appropriate offerings. You know... Well, you shouldn't have given such a big offering to the Lord when you can't even pay your rent. That's not appropriate, right? We judge people's offerings based on what we think is wise. 
because we are so advanced. We are so smart that we can judge what's appropriate and not. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you, do you feel this? It's like we only give to organizations that can prove that they use every one of our cents to benefit people and nothing on admin costs. Do you guys know about this? You can actually look up organizations to see their rating on how much percent goes to the field and how much is used on admin costs. And don't you want your dollar to count so you only give it to the ones that can prove it best? I've worked for organizations like that, several. They have a way to set up their percentages just to appease our wisdom because we just want to give what's appropriate. Do you know what I'm saying? You're very silent today. <laughs> Maureen, I need more noise. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. We just want things to be sensible. And what I see here, Jesus saying is, your sensibility is costing you. Your wisdom is robbing you. And so when I come into a scripture about God calling someone to give a sacrifice... My wisdom cuts me off from knowing him. And I really think this is big in our culture, wouldn't you say? Have you ever thought, let's be honesties, right? Really, like, honest. Have you ever looked at somebody and how they live and thought, that is so wasteful, I would never live like that? It's cutting you off from God. Satan is tricking you, telling you that you are wise and sensible and God doesn't really care about that. So at least I can identify why this passage tweaks me a little bit. Okay, can we move on? Okay, the second thing is human sacrifice. I'd like to see how God explains this one away because, <laughs> right? This is a doozy. Now, this is a thing, guys. Let's just talk about Aztecs, right? Let's talk about any ancient culture of the world. There was a lot of sacrificing of humans, especially children, young ladies. We just throw them into fires. Volcano gods apparently really liked that. Sun gods apparently really liked that. Is Yahweh a bloodthirsty god? Apparently he is. Apparently, he's just like all those others. He's asking for a human sacrifice. Do you guys know that actually in, uh, Josh was just telling me a story, um, because he works for uh, World Vision, and so they know what's going on in a lot of countries, and he was just telling me in Uganda, they still, there are tribes that still do child sacrifices. I had no idea. I got like re-offended all over again. Um, because they're sacrificing for health, like trying to, well, so-and-so is dying, but if we kill this newborn baby, then maybe they'll, it's still happening. It's still happening. Our, our, our thoughts still think gods are bloodthirsty. So my question is, is Yahweh dark and disturbed and bloodthirsty? And at this point, we don't know. Do we? So again, we can scrunch up our little feet and walk on away and go, I just don't want to even deal with this. Oh, we know it all turns out good in the end. But he asked his follower to do it. <laughs> I, I just don't think we can ignore that. Okay. I don't have an answer. We're going to move on. Can we? Okay. Are we okay? <sighs> okay. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Okay, I'm just offended again. 
keep reading. What kind of a guy does this? I'm sorry, what kind of a guy? No questions? I'm sorry, God, can you communicate that a new way for me? Because I thought you said, kill the son you gave me. <laughs> no questions? He didn't even wait till the normal getting up time. He was so excited that he woke up in the night and got prepared. What's up with this guy? <laughs> Have you ever met someone that's like not offended by things, but you see stuff happen to them and you're like, I'm offended on your behalf. You should be more offended. I'm going to be doubly offended for the both of us. Have you? <laughs> That's how I feel right now about Abraham. But we have this amazing insight into what's happening from Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He goes, there, were, there have been no risings from the dead so far that I remember in the Bible. How did Abraham believe that God could do that? Any ideas? God gave Isaac in the first place. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm. So this was like a second chance even to begin with. It's good. A man of faith. So true. Ah, I double dare you. I double test you, God. <laughs> Calling his bluff. Oh, that's awesome. He knew God. This guy had walked with God for a lot of years, lots of ups and downs. God had rescued Abraham from some crazy situations, rescued him from being killed. He knew the character of God. He knew that, that God's character was as life giver. So he could get up early and go off to do this because he was ready to go see whatever miracle God was going to do. I'm sure he was also a little worried because he's still human. <laughs> but I'm thinking about how the fact that he, he, he just went flat foot in those shoes, ready to go see what God would do. I'm really inspired by that. He should be more concerned than he is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Slip of the tongue, like did he mean it? That's interesting, isn't it? Was he trying to cover up that he was about to go murder his own child? Like, does, Isaac know what's does Isaac know what's happening? Beautiful segue. All right. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. This is how we know he's not two. Right? The burnt offering wood goes on his shoulders. 
Well, by the way, who else carried his offering wood on his shoulders? Well, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Well, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the lamb? He knows what's going on. <clears throat> for the burnt offering. God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Do you see that bookend? They both walked on together. They walked on. Do you see that? Super cool. These words mean they walked in agreement. It's really cool. They were walking up the mountain in agreement. Isaac had some questions, and then they continued in agreement. Isaac trusted his dad. And his dad trusted Yahweh. It, little side note, you don't have to protect your children or people you are, who are young in the Lord from encountering the weird things about God, the things that offend you. You don't have to protect your children from that, Right? You don't have to protect that person that isn't sure that they can trust God yet. You don't have to protect them from him. Isaac um, is the child of promise. He would have heard the story of his birth over and over and over. You know, around the night fire, they were verbal historians, right? They told the stories. They told the stories. He knew that God made him, and it was a miracle. But I don't know until this point that Isaac's had a personal encounter. So I think this is important. Okay. Um, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You know what's not there? And Isaac punched him in the face and his dad hit him with a rock to make him pass out so he could tie him and put him up. There's no struggle. There's no struggle. It's profound. I would have struggled. I would have run away. I would have done something. There is a, a trust, peace, something happening here that is um, surprising. <laughs> All right. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. <laughs> Here I am, ready to do it. I mean, timing, right? The Lord said, do not reach out with a knife in your hand against the boy and do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God with reverence and profound respect, since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise. Guys, did God need to go through with this test in order to know this about Abraham? God knows everything. Abraham needed it. Who else needed it? Isaac needed it. Who else needed it? We need it. You know, 
If we stay in our little scrunched up foot world, unwilling to go into the difficult things of God, it's not just us who are impacted. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Yahweh is not a God that wants human sacrifices. So when I was asking the Lord about this passage and I said to him, um, I don't understand why you would ask him to do something that you didn't want him to actually do. I don't, I don't like that. Why would you do that? When I felt like he showed me a big metal mask, taking it down off his face. And I felt him saying, I needed to be unmasked. There are um, assumptions and human baggage and offense and things that people see me as being that are not true. And this is about that mask being taken off so you can really see who I am. If anyone thinks, is this a bloodthirsty God who wants human sacrificed, now they know, no, I am not. But if we hadn't gone through this whole thing, would we know it? We didn't know it because, guys, Fast forward a few years to a human sacrifice on a cross. That has no context in our understanding of who God is without this story. This is the story that explains what's happening in our place. A lamb given, right? (laughs) God says, I would never make you sacrifice your child but I will. And not a human sacrifice, a God sacrifice. Jesus on the cross was not a human sacrifice, right? That was God giving his life for us. But without this story, we would never get that. There is some things in your life that you're unwilling to talk to God about, And because of that, it's affecting all of our faith walks. Because we need to see Yahweh manifested in your life, active, doing things in your life that are mind-blowing and unexpected. And without you getting down into those shoes and walking into it, 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 it's like it's a big consequence, right? It's a big consequence. God is inviting you to be a part of a giant plan. It's amazing. It's heavy, isn't it? We've got to stop running away from these difficult things. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh. God sees to it, the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of God, he sees to it. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This word Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, 
is probably how we know it, right? Um, but we learned last week that Jehovah is a substitute word for Yahweh. Um, if you weren't here, the video um, is online. You can catch it from the uh, church website. But Yaira provided, does everyone know the song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Okay. Rocket, Jenny. Yes, that was awesome. Um, we've, we've known it as provider. And I think we can think, when I have a need, he gives me money. Or when I have a need, he'll fill my need. And if I have a need, but that provider word is, um, uh, it's, so you ready to geek out on wording things with me? Okay, okay. Pro... Vider, provision. Can we break it down for a second? Am I doing this right? Provision. Yeah, I was just making sure. <laughs> um, pro, what does pro mean? For. It also means for, F-O-R-E, like ahead of time. So it's for, like I can see it coming, okay? And what is vision? To see. So that's why this is saying he is the God who sees. He is the God that sees to it. He is the one who sees the need and gives you what you need. What did Abraham need? He needed a replacement sacrifice. What else did he need? A march up a mountain. God could have done this down by their tents. Why did he make him... Three days of hiking up in. He's the one who not just sees to the, you know, oh, you need money to pay your rent. He's the one that provides. It's not just that. Do you know what I mean? He's the one that foresees what you need before you even know it. You hear that come up in worship today? He's the one that knows what, if you sacrifice things out of your life, what it will do for you in the long term. He is weaving this amazing story. Yahweh Yaira, he's going to see to it in your life. He's going to see what you need and bring you what you need. And it's going to be hard. He's calling you into a journey with him. Stop being afraid of the things you don't understand about him. He wants to show you the truth. If we keep cowering back in our offense and wisdom and I don't like it, we're never going to know this good, amazing God. The one who would never ask you to kill your child, but, but gives his own. Do you feel that? Is this the God we want to know? Is this a God we want to trust? This God who called for a human sacrifice and made a, son, made a man and his son go on a crazy hike that made no sense. We would all still be down in the tents, right? <laughs> Enjoying our summer sandals. <laughs> what do you have in your heart that isn't given to God because you don't like what he said? There's a lot in the Bible like this, isn't there? Maybe you've been avoiding reading passages. Well, I like the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Or <laughs> I like the nice things God says. I don't like the bad things, you know, the hard things God says. I just feel like as we head into this series to know him, 
that we have to start wrestling with the stuff we don't like. What do you think? Can we do that? Okay. He is good. We just didn't know it. <laughs> Let's pray together. Yahweh, Yaira, we don't know you. We don't know you as the God who sees to it in the confusing, difficult, dark times. Just because we've been afraid to go there. But Father, we give you ourselves. <laughs> we give you our lives as a sacrifice and an offering. We give you our feet. We want them to be flat on you, not afraid of the things. Father, this week, push those buttons in us. Open our eyes to see the things that we have been unwilling to talk to you about. Loved ones who are sick, dreams that have never come to pass, hard things that you've asked us to do. The list goes on and on. God, strip those things away. God, like that wood that is chiseled every time we encounter your presence, God. Thank you that you wove today. From beginning to end, you were showing us your goodness. And Lord, we just say yes to you, all of you. We want to know all of you. Reach forward and grab.